live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello there. Hello indeed, sir. And thank you for joining us on a very, very stacked Mm-hmm. Entertainment edition of the ODPH podcast. What a way to cap off the four years before we head into year five. Yeah. I'm telling you what, a lot of stuff came down. Talking movies, TV, and comics today, so we have a lot to sort through. And we definitely want to interact with you after the show. So make sure to swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there. We talk to everybody. Parlay points. New blogs dropping this week. Heard Dre Driven's already got a uh, Kenobi review lined up ready in 72 hours. Nice. And there's reasons for that. Coach Duffy, rumored to have another blog coming. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know we got some blogs kind of anywhere. We got some Parlay Point uh, comic reviews this week. We got so much on there. It, it, you just got to go there and find it for yourself. Yeah. The Directory, the Classifieds, the T Public Store sale this week. What better time yeah. to go get some ODPH swag? And there has been some sales today, too. So thank you for doing it wherever you are in the world supporting the brand because we do appreciate it. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, it can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. Pad, let's kick off this episode. It is your choice. Where do we begin? Because it's a loaded show. Well, I mean, if you know me, you know I love Star Wars. And I say we start with Kenobi. All right, let's do it. So, the saga of the original Jedi in a lot of our eyes has really taken a hold of the pop culture audience. Kenobi on Disney Plus has Mm -hmm. been the talk of many, many fans, obviously of the Star Wars fandom, but outside of there, it's really starting to catch fire. Uh, in the same vein as WandaVision to a degree, because yeah. we have to remember, yeah. when these shows come out on Disney+, Plus, whether it's a Marvel uh, brand, whether it's a Star Wars brand, it usually kind of creeps over into, dare I say, crossover territory. Yeah, because you, you'll have the standard folks you know, that watch it, you know, what did you expect? But then you'll get some of the folks that like you hear them talking about it or you see them posting about watching it, and you're like, wait, really? Yeah, and now it's really taking up some steam with being a six-episode first season because uh-huh. all signs are kind of lean and they might come back for more, which not, I'm not arguing with that one bit. Yeah, The show is really starting to sink its teeth into its plot, and obviously having Ewan McGregor reprise his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi has yeah. been a huge, huge move as he's trying to save a young Princess Leia mm-hmm. from... Reva, who's played amazingly by Moses Ingram. Yeah. We have to give her flowers. She is just absolutely crushing this role. And we're also having the reemergence of the universe's favorite bad guy, the one and only Darth Vader. Hell yeah. Played by Hayden Christensen. And there is just so much, like I say, I, I have to pause for a second to recount everything going on because there is a lot happening. So that being said, if you're new to the ODPH, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. We like to do a spoiler-free statement before we start talking spoilers of the latest episode. This one, obviously, entitled Part 4. 
So that being said, Pad, what is your spoiler-free statement about this episode? Uh, wasn't a whole lot that went on with this episode in terms of like story or plot-wise, but I still loved kind of the world building they did with it because let's face it, it is one story, but everything in Star Wars is connected. You know, it's it's like the Marvel MCU; everything's connected. But the same is true with Star Wars because what could be just kind of like a throwaway line or a throwaway scene has the very potential to show up down the road or influence other things in other properties with the franchise. There was a lot going on in this episode, and there was a lot of Easter eggs in this episode, and I loved it. I thought this episode was very good. I thought that it really started taking the story into a direction where I think it needs to go. Mm -hmm. I thought that we finally saw the old Obi-Wan Kenobi come back for the first time since the show has started. And I think where they're heading is going to be really, really fun. Uh-huh. So that being said, we are going to start talking spoilers. So if you are new to the show, we give a countdown and we timestamp in the episode where we start talking. Because we don't want to ruin this for everybody. We have a 72-hour social media embargo where we're not going to be posting spoilers about the episode online anywhere. We'll actually be lifting that when Dre gives us his blog. So in 72 hours, it's free. It's fair game to start posting. Because if you haven't seen the episode by then, it's already been spoiled by other people. We don't do that to you. We try making it fair so you can go in clean mind, clean-headed, and just absorb everything going on. But that being said, we got to start deep diving in this episode because there's a lot of Easter eggs like Pat alluded to to break down. Mm-hmm. So in that said, Pat, three, two, one. Talk to me. This episode was really good. You know, like I said, wasn't a whole lot going on, maybe plot wise or story wise or you know, a little bit of action. But in terms of just like building the world and kind of setting everything up for the end game of this season, there was a lot going on. And like I said, the Easter eggs were phenomenal. I really thought that they hit their stride with this one. Uh-huh. Like I can't stress that enough because where we've gone in the in the pre- previous episodes, like obviously we see what happens with Obi Wan keeping an eye on a young Luke Skywalker. Yep. On Tatooine, and Princess Leia is now with the Organa family, mm-hmm. and obviously kept hidden from the Empire because obviously they're connected to Vader and, oh, yeah. and the whole legacy. Oh, yeah. And we saw last episode that Vader really emerged, and Vader had that Rogue One moment yet again. He topped the Rogue One moment. Right. But just for anybody that yeah. thought that it was like, okay, he's feared, but we haven't really seen him this mm-hmm. vicious. Yeah. You finally saw this. Oh, yeah. And like I said, the only comparison we have is the ending of Rogue One. Yeah. Which is one of the best Star Wars movies you can watch. At OD Parlay Hour. Come at me. I'll, I'll debate that all day. So now we finally see how this episode has really brought back the old Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. And really reminded fans of how much of a great character he is. Yeah. Because it, it was a slow start for him, and rightfully so. I want to stress that. He's been kind of living as a hermit, you know, the last 10 years. Yes. The, the skills aren't as sharp. The You know, the proverbial knife is a little dull. Yes. Much like one CM Punk in AEW, it takes a little while for him to get going. hey But now, he's up and running, and definitely... Trying to take the fight back to the Empire. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he's found that old mojo. Yeah. A little faster than uh, CM Punk, in my opinion, but <laughs> hey, we're still rolling there. Hey, I, we, we cover AEW, too, so, you know, we can talk about that as well another time. But this is where we see Obi-Wan has now been saved mm-hmm. by Talia. Mm-hmm. And, Pad, what is her position in this story? Uh, she is what at first appears to be an Imperial officer. So, you know, when Obi-Wan first meets her in the last episode, he gets all nervous and they're like, ah, oh, shit, I've been caught. 
But then she realizes, hey, no, I'm here to help you. And she ushers him along in his mission. And she's kind of she's a mole in the empire for this underground network that helps people, you know, kind of escape under the eye of the empire. Yes. And we open up where we see a familiar bath, if you will. Mm hmm. A uh, regeneration bath. Yeah, the back to tank. Yes. Yeah. And Obi-Wan is now having... This was the only part that was a little confusing me. Uh-huh. Was, the, was this flashbacks or was this like connecting on the astral plane there back and forth with him and Vader? I think it was a little bit of both. I think it was just kind of him going through the motions and recovering from what happened. But Because I, I, there have been instances of that in like the books and the comics where somebody gets put in the back of the tank and then they're kind of like reliving what happened. But I think it also was him and Anakin connecting, you know, on an astral plane level of things because Anakin, obviously, given his injuries, has to be in the back of the tank an awful lot. You know, so I think it was was a little bit of both. And that definitely came across because you're seeing a lot of flashbacks. You're seeing Obi-Wan really getting that wake-up call. Because to me, and I could be wrong, it felt like every time they showed Obi-Wan then they show a flashback, and then they'd cut to Anakin, and he'd start jerking. Yes. Yeah, that was the only thing that I thought, like, okay, are they still connected? Now, obviously, it's it's the Force, and there's a lot of stuff going on there. We could take a, another episode of deep dive into that aspect. But we do see that Obi-Wan finally gets that, that feeling back. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm ready to fight. Mm-hmm. And he obviously knows that Leia has now been kidnapped yep. by Reva. Yep. And he has a very Ocean's Eleven-esque mission to happen here uh-huh. where he has to sneak aboard in uh, the home base of the Inquisitors mm-hmm. to go get Leia. Yeah. And this is not exactly an easy task. No, and, is he, it? and he's planning this. We got a note with the son of some uh, hip-hop royalty. Break it down for yeah, us. Yeah, so we finally see O'Shea Jackson Jr., a.k.a. Ice Cube's kid in the show. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that was Ice Cube's kid, O'Shea Jackson Jr., making his appearance in the show, running this underground network, you know, that uh, Tala, Talia uh, is is a part of. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you said, they, they figure out where she is because it, to me it feels like it's not exactly it's not exactly like secret knowledge where they hang out. They're like, okay, hey, they even pull it up on a map, and they're like, yeah, this is their stronghold. And... Obi-Wan makes a point out, well, isn't there any interior maps? And, and somebody goes, nobody's dumb enough to try and get near the place. And, and Obi-Wan's looking and he goes, well, it doesn't appear like there's any force fields stopping us from getting in. And again, somebody goes, because nobody's dumb enough to get near it. Right, because their network, and I believe it's called The Path. Uh, yes, I believe so. Is one that's just basically uh, helping Jedis escape, yeah. not break in. Yeah, we want to take you away. We don't want to take you closer. Yeah, so we have to keep that in mind that you're going in this very, very blind mm-hmm. that you don't know what you're going to be walking into mm-hmm. with all the Inquisitors and their forces in one building. Mm-hmm. So Obi-Wan, though, like I say, he has the old feeling back and is showing absolutely no fear and still recovering from his injuries from Vader uh-huh. is basically saying, we got to go in here and go do this. And they do sneak into the moon mm-hmm. of... Nur, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the moon. Yeah, the moon is named Nur, and it's in the Mustafar system. It's it's one of the moons of Mustafar, uh, where Vader's castle is, as we saw in Rogue One. Uh, and then it's also the planet where, and this is how twisted Vader is, got burned alive on Mustafar and built his castle there. And then, yeah, one of the one, and so obviously his Inquisitors are nearby on the uh, water moon of Nur. That's a complete boss move, I got to say, though. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to make this a bad memory. I'm going to make this into something meaningful. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. Like I said, Vader is such a boss. I, I, I can't stress that enough. And this show is really showing that oh, yeah. as well. But Obi-Wan makes the move with Tala. Mm-hmm. And they do wind up getting in. And they're not 100% sure they're going to be able to get in because obviously they left the planet they were on. Suspect circumstances, to say the very least. Absolutely. You know, and, and Tala's like, well, we can see if my credentials still work. I don't know if they will. You know, so they kind of go in with some trepidation of maybe this will work, maybe this won't work. Let's see. It's like Death Star, Death Star schematics. Pretty much. You know, you, you'd figure after the first one blew up, you'd fi- you'd fix the problem that happened. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Yeah. But they do wind up getting in there, and Talia is being a guide to Obi-Wan as mm-hmm. he's working his way through the Inquisitor's palace. And she's getting caught at almost every turn of the corner. You know, shows up in the hangar. Obviously, being a military installation, got to show your credentials. You mm-hmm. know, that is one of the facts. And the guy goes to scan her credentials and goes, this isn't your sector. Why are you here? And quit thinking very quickly on her feet, she looks at his insignia because that's what those little uh, colored squares on their vest mean. That's their rank. Mm. Uh, I Don't ask me what they all mean. I don't know that. Um, but she's obviously outranks him. And she goes, listen, I'm your superior. You're going to fucking listen to me and give me what I want or else I'll report you because I'm I'm here to see the Grand Inquisitor. You know, on a mission of secret importance. Do you know what the word secret means? So she does with that. She then goes to help Obi-Wan try to navigate his way into and through the whole thing. All the meanwhile, she's basically in like a public library setting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's various computer terminals and she's talking to him, you know, like you said, like an Ocean's Eleven type thing. All right, you're going to make a left at the next turn. Go down, the, go down the corridor, you know, and then at a quarter mile, you're going to take a right. All the meanwhile, there are several shots where the guy working not too far away from her keeps shooting her glances like, the fuck are you doing? Yeah, Adira Varma, who mm. plays Tala, did a phenomenal. Oh, job. Oh, she's a she's awesome. Yeah, and just how you saw Tala's composure, mm-hmm. especially with how high stakes this is. Yeah, because if they get caught, they're dead on sight. Uh huh. And just how she was able to flip back and forth, keep the rest of the Imperial forces there at bay. Yep. And as Obi Wan is going through this base. We do know that Reva is now interrogating a young Leah. <laughs> oh shit! And this is this is a weird scenario, but like I say, this is another situation where Moses Ingram is absolutely crushing this, because as you can definitely tell that there's more to her story with Kenobi mm-hmm. than we know about. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to come close to revealing some of it this episode, but no, no, not yet. But we're getting close because. She is so hell-bent and high water. She's more hell-bent than, than Vader is. At this stage, yeah. And that's a very, very big statement, but I fully back it. Yeah. That she now has Leia in this weird torture chair. Essentially, yeah. And is ready to basically kill her for mm-hmm. the information she's looking for. Yeah, it, was a, it, sounded, it wasn't the exact same like they used in Leia during the original movie, but it had similar sound effects, so it might have been like an early version of it. Yeah, it's absolutely insane to see. But this is where Obi-Wan really understands what's going on yeah. and is starting to make his way through the palace. Now, during this stage two, though, he does cut through a certain room yeah. that is more... Hard to believe, but has those Easter eggs that Pad is was alluding to. Yeah, so the thing where he started, he gets going through and he's dodging Imperial probe droids, which, you know, Tala mentions, hey, these things are all over the goddamn place. So he's playing Dick Duck, duck and Dodge. Mm-hmm. You know, he finally, then he comes up on a door and he says, I think I've reached the secure area. And he starts going through there. 
and you see these like doorways with like an orange light coming from them. And he goes, this is, he, he, I forget what the exact line was, but he's like, this isn't a prison. It's a, it's a tomb. Yeah, that is the line. He goes, this isn't a prison. It's a tomb. And you start seeing some of the folks they've captured. And I, and I'm sitting there and they kept dwelling on each of the tombs, each of the doorways. And I'm like, they're going to show us something that either a is going to shock us or B be a little Easter egg or C both. Mm -hmm. And after they showed a couple of them and I, and I only caught the one, maybe there's more, but you, right before you see the young language, God damn, that was shocking to see see the kid. You do see a a person in, or an alien species in Jedi robes in there. And I was like, wait a minute, he looks familiar or that looks familiar. And I rewound it a couple of times. And I'm like, he looks like somebody from clone wars. And a lot of folks online are having the same theory that it's uh, Jedi Master Terris Sunube, who, if you're not familiar, brief, brief little you know thing. There was an episode of Clone Wars. He's an elderly Jedi. You know, his lightsaber is in his cane. There's an episode in Clone Wars, and I want to say it's maybe season two or three, mm-hmm. where Ahsoka loses her lightsaber. You know, a, a couple of thieves steal her lightsaber. She doesn't want to tell Anakin, but she's got to go get it, and he offers to help her. You know, so it's this whole kind of like thing. He appears in the background of a couple later episodes, but that's kind of his whole thing is he's old, kind of like Yoda. Yeah. He teaches the kids. But we now learn, you know, because we never find out what happens to him during Clone Wars or even where they are in Bad Batch. But, well, now we don't have to wonder because it, they've captured Jedi Master Terra Sunube and he's dead. Yeah. Good Lord. That was a scene like I honestly thought it was Jar Jar. Yeah. For a second. And I was standing up and applauding. Yeah. Because I that would have been just perfect for me yeah but you know i can't have nice things like that but no but that was such a throwback too because like i said if it wasn't him i was like no that w- they would have made a bigger fuss yeah. if it was jar jar yeah but that was a great easter egg that they planted yeah there. i mean they had so many going little, on. little heartbreaking i gotta admit because he was such a nice guy he moved slow he you know he was driving five miles an hour through airspeeder traffic and really you know pissing ahsoka off who was like young and ready to go 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 and he's like no nah, we gotta slow down so it, it's kind of heartbreaking it definitely was. But this is also where, like, Obi-Wan is making his way through the palace. Uh-huh. And, obviously, this is a lot for him to take in because yeah. we he obviously he knows about Order 66. Mm-hmm. But this is, like, the the weird trophy room of, like, kinda, what happened. Like, that's kinda, just how dark yeah. this episode got. Yeah. And I love the fact that they went there just because with Disney+, Plus, you always think it's going to be family-friendly. Sure. And this was such a curveball to see. It was mm-hmm. like, what is going on? Oh, I know. And, and it's insane to see just because, like you said, Order 66 has happened. Obi-Wan saw it firsthand when he and Yoda broke into the Jedi Temple mm-hmm. after it was all said and done. So, he, you know, he's seen this. It, it's admittedly been 10 years, but he got to. But it's, it's ripping open a, a wound that has not fully healed. And, just, like, it's already twisted enough to kill children yeah you know with the way anakin and the store and the clone troopers did but to then see okay they're still being hunted down and killed which he saw obviously on tatooine but it's one thing to string a guy up in the middle of main street as an example to the townsfolk hey don't screw with us it's a whole other thing to do that and then like you said mount them on a wall like they're a trophy Mm mm-hmm it's just supremely fucked up. Yeah, it absolutely was. But you have to remember, too, I mean, the Inquisitors are not messing around. There was no. the Purge Troopers as well. Cool. I, I don't collect action figures, but I'd like one of them. 
Yeah. Funko, if you're listening, make a Funko with them. And obviously, this is the first time that we've really seen them since Jedi Fallen Order. Yes. Yeah, they make their appearance in Jedi Fallen Order, so it's cool to see. There's a lot of Jedi Fallen Order vibes in this episode. Yeah, and it definitely played right into it because this was just absolutely wild to see this moment come on screen. Mm-hmm. It almost stole this, the episode away. Kind of. Like, yeah. That's one thing we have to remember with this. But then, obviously, when Leah starts screaming, uh-huh. they make a very bold move. Mm-hmm. And this is when Talia basically sacrifices herself. Yeah, because Obi-Wan goes, hey, you need to get in there and cause a distraction. I can't run in there because he knows if he goes in there and fights her, he'll lose. Yes, he, he's not ready to go just yet. He's trying, but he's not there yet. Training wheels are still on. Right. but And this is what Talia goes in and risks everything. Like I mm-hmm. said, she was the MVP of this episode by far and away. Oh, yeah. And you see her just flip on, on the dime. Yeah. And you do see Reva is just not buying it. Yeah. Absolutely. I was buying it for a hot second because I'm like, wait, is she actually saw him out right now? This is pretty damn convincing. Yeah, because she basically says, like, gives her this on-the-fly background story uh-huh. of how she was un- deep undercover. She and had me been, sold. Yeah, yeah, just how convincing she was. Like, that yeah. was the best thing about this. Yeah. And Reva is still kind of buying in, but kind of not. She's, she's buying it at first, but then, you know... The stink from the shit started approaching her nose, and she took a whiff and smelled the shit. Yeah, but this is enough to get her out of the room that yep. Leia's in. Yep. And this is when you see Obi-Wan really kind of say, I'm back. Uh, to a degree. To a degree, to but a degree. it was enough to have that fan moment that you're starting to think, like, okay, we're now getting back to basics. I sat up for this moment. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like, I was kind of laying down on my couch watching it this morning, but once this moment happened, I sat up. So after uh, Rhea leaves the room and goes to talk to Tala, um, you know, the lights cut out. And the stormtroopers who are guarding Leia kind of go like, oh, what's going on? And you just hear footsteps approach. And they're like, well, what's that sound? And you just see a blue lightsaber ignite, cut the, the stormtrooper down, and, and disengage. Mm-hmm. And the other one basically shits his armor. He goes, wow, what? what's going on? What's that sound? And he's looking around. He can't figure out because it's still pitch black dark except for one light in the room where you can still make out the stormtrooper and then you hear more footsteps and then another light the this lightsaber ignites again and he cuts the other guy down and then the lightsaber ignites again it was incredible when the lights went out did was i the only one that thought wrestling has only one royal family <laughs> i was waiting for that or like the sting uh, the sting crow sound effect i was yeah i was waiting i, I was waiting for the cody Rhodes theme to kick in i was like that would have been amazing somebody gifted with uh video and audio editing skills can you put that together for us thanks oh my god yeah i gotta put that out we gotta tweet about that after the show but this is where yeah we have that bonding moment with leia and obi-wan as they're mm-hmm. trying to escape yep leia is now finally trusting him which like i understand she's <laughs> she's a kid she's so a kid. I she's a kid yeah so yeah no fault here and now they're kind of bobbing and weaving until they get picked up mm-hmm. by a floating droid. Yeah. Even though the droid that was accompanying Leia mm-hmm. is still with them. Yep. And that's a big thing that we have to remember, even though Reva did find it yep. earlier. Yep. Well, because the droid tried attacking her. Yes. So they haven't had the best luck to, with droids this episode. No. But this also comes into one of the better scenes because as they're trying to escape, obviously troops are after him because the cover is blown. Yep. And Tala broke away from Reva enough to distract. Like, when obviously they realize Leia's gone, yeah. Reva just leaves her to oh, yeah, go. Yeah, because Reva was already, like I said, already Reva was already smelling the shit from the, the pile of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and then what really didn't help matters was the alarm started going off while she, like, right as Reva was really starting to doubt what Tala was telling her, the alarm went off. Yeah. And she's like, all right, now I know you're full of shit. Yep. 
But she's obviously knowing that Leia's the ultimate prize right here that uh-huh. Tala can wait. And Obi-Wan is basically trapped in a hallway mm-hmm. underwater. And yeah. stormtroopers are, well, stormtroopers and missing him completely. And meanwhile, you've got the other Inquisitor brother uh, is fucking pissed. Yeah. He's walking through a hallway, I think, with one of the other Inquisitors and, like, another Imperial agent walking with him. And he's just like, the third sister will pay for this. Lock the base down immediately. Like, kudos to the, to the actor. You know, did an incredible job really just selling how pissed off he was. Yeah, that was something I was not expecting to see. But no. this, but you're obviously seeing how everybody is reacting to Riva, that she's not winning anybody over with her actions. No. We need to remember this. Mm-hmm. That this is one of those situations that this is throwing in there. And actually, the actor that's the fifth brother? Yeah. Han from The Fast and Furious. Oh, that's awesome. Sung I Ho- had no idea. Yeah, Sung Ho Kang. Nice. Yes. So that is actually oh, a that's awesome. very cool Easter egg because awesome. if you tie in the greatest franchise in the world with Star Wars, you're going to have family. Absolutely. Wait, what's Star Wars all about? Family. family. Oh, there we go. So you do see that they're making this big escape in the underwater mm-hmm. uh, hallway. The window is starting to crack a little bit. Yeah, because Obi-Wan deflect, deflected a blaster bolt, whether it was from the probe droid or the stormtroopers. I don't remember, but he deflected the blaster bolt into the glass. Yes. Not the brightest move. It's not, but at the, at the time, he needs to do what he has to do. So, Well, and that's just showing, like, that's why you, you said he's back. I said he's kind of back because older Obi-Wan and, you know, prequel Obi-Wan could have gone through that. No fucking problem. Eyes closed. He, you, It showed. He's coming back, you know, mm-hmm. and he's starting to get some of the skills back, but not quite yet. Right, but as soon as the fans are seeing him actually use the Force, yes. that's where I'm going with yes. it. It's like, he's not fully back. This is not like John Wick, where every five minutes he yells, I'm back. <laughs> it's like, you, you were back 45 minutes ago. We got it. It's, it's cool. But this is where he's actually holding the water there. And basically lures the the stormtroopers into a trap Uh and makes a valiant escape as he lets it go on them. He makes a diving jump into the hallway, locks the doors, and you just see that water fill up and all these stormtroopers floating. Uh And then that was gruesome. It was gruesome. But like I say, this is one thing I like about the show. Yeah. Is just they're not pulling punches. No. That's the one thing I want about this because you don't want to be watering it down so much no pun intended there yeah but you don't want it just going through the motions just trying to make it so kid friendly that you get away from like what star wars really is i mean because obviously we have lightsabers and you're stabbing people you know cutting them in half and such i mean that is as gruesome as it gets pretty much so they i like the fact that they're actually keeping that somewhat vibe but tastefully though Mm -hmm. you know obviously you don't see a lot of very nasty things happening, but enough that it tells the story. Yep. But this is where they make their big run to escape. But when they're going to escape, mm-hmm. who finally shows up? Uh, that would be two of the other members from the path uh, in Snowspeed. Well, we know them as Snowspeeders from Hoth. Apparently, they're good for more than just snow. Right. Who knew? And as they are showing up to make the save, Vader emerges. Yeah, because those those speeders showed up, and I went, Snowspeeders? Yeah. And this is where you see Vader basically see Reva is going to basically get killed. Oh, goddamn. Because when they do pull off the escape, Vader does take down one of mm-hmm. the. Or no, the she crew. no, she does. No, Reva does. Reva throw uh I think the third brother or whatever his title is says like, oh, stop them. 
Reva picks up like a car. Oh, that's right. It was she, she picks up like a cargo container or something, hurls it at him. Looks like it's not going to hit him, but then it clips him. It does. It clips the ship and takes it down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, then, and then right Vader it. shows up. Yeah. Yeah. Because this was just the mark out moment for me is just yeah. when Vader shows up. And this when you see Reva actually is fully committed, like I is setting up the perfect drama for this. Well, and you got to give kudos to Vader showing up, you know, to obviously Deborah Chow for directing the episode, but then also Hayden Christensen's acting. And I know Hayden Christensen has said in interviews that I forget exactly what he called it. So I'm going to paraphrase a, basically a Vader moving uh, consultant or whatever mm-hmm. that like, it was somebody on set who would like knew how Vader was supposed to move and this and that. They all did massively like, Vader showed up in that room striding, like basically running across the room, and I could tell this man's fucking pissed. Yeah. No, they played him perfectly because when he shows up, he is fired up. Uh-huh. Immediately does the force choke on Reva and basically says, if you fail, I'm going to kill you mm-hmm. because you don't realize what you've done. Also, shout out James Earl Jones for portraying that and making it come across the screen. Oh, my God. Yeah, just perfect. Perfect Goat. all around. Like I say, that kind of threw me off from when, who actually took out the ship. Yeah. It was that much of a badass moment. Oh, yeah. I just sat there and was like, oh. But we do find out that Reva did do something very sneaky during mm-hmm. this entire time. She, she goes, don't worry. I haven't lost them. There's a tracking device on them. Yes. And as the ship is sailing away and the path network is realizing that they've lost one of their own uh-huh. and trying to make that big escape, yep. we do find out that Leia's droid, Lola, yep, yeah, is the tracking device. Which kudos to, again, how they shot it. You could not tell and they didn't show Rava doing anything to it. So I was like, so she mentioned there's a tracking device on it. So I figured they might have done, you know the empire strikes back thing and like, Oh, they just snuck it on board the ship someplace Mm -hmm. or maybe like stuck it on a piece of clothing. Never, never guessed in a million years that it was the droid. Right. And then that's how the episode ends. Yeah. Damn near phenomenal episode. Great episode. Like I said, they, they went a little dark on this with some of the scenes. And like I say, I like just the fact that they went into a different direction, even if it's for one episode, I didn't want to see everything feel like too safe. Uh-huh. But seeing the the trophy room, I mean that's the only oh. way you can describe it of everybody from Order 66 like I mean how messed up is the empire? Well, supremely messed up the fact that they even have handcuffs small enough for a child. Yeah. But hey, it's the empire. I'm not really that surprised. No, but just the fact that they did the trophy room and you're just seeing like how ruthless they're being and and obviously we knew this a little bit from the movies. And you just got to remember time when these movies were done. Mm-hmm. But this is like really showing of why the Empire is so feared throughout the galaxy. Yeah. And when you get to the Inquisitors, and like I said, I love the fact Sung Kang is the fifth brother. Yeah. Because obviously Han was awesome in Fast and Furious. Yes, I know the Fast and Furious is what it is. But listen, Sung uh, is great mm-hmm. in this. And I want to see actually more of him. And obviously they're building up for a face-off with Reva because Reva is just now alienating herself from everybody. That now we're going into those last two episodes. There is going to be a big face-off between those two, mm-hmm. as in Reva and Obi-Wan. And then I got the feeling they haven't said anything official. We're going season two. It could be. As much as they were trying to say it's one and done, there's no way, at least in my mind, that we're not having a season two here. The reason being is we have two more episodes done. Mm-hmm. We do know that there has to be a standoff with Reva and Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Like, that has to happen. Yeah. Would you force that next episode in the penultimum? Mm. 
and then go to Vader versus Obi-Wan and the in the season finale? Like how would you book this? I wouldn't necessarily, you know, I would have Rava kind of in the background, not really there because like bumbling and mismanagement or whatever, mm-hmm. and then have the fight with uh, Anakin, have Obi-Wan beat Anakin because you got to remember the, the phrasing from A New Hope. When we last met or when we last left, you I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Anakin's got to get beat because obviously he wouldn't say that if he beat Obi-Wan because, hey, the student has passed the master. Mm. So the, with their meeting... Obi-Wan's got to beat Anakin. And, yeah. I, and I think that'll happen at the end of the season, knock him out of commission, and then take on Rava. Or it could be flipped. He could take on Rava, you know, and then or, and then when we get to season two, Vader's still on, on the hunt and he's still got to fight him again. Yeah, I mean, that's the only question I have going into this. is like we're going to have some big episodes, obviously the penultimate and then the finale. But it just depends on how you want to book this. And, yes, I'm, I know I'm using a lot of wrestling references this week. I don't care. Uh, you got to go to the co-main to the main. And, like I say, Reva is a great character. But I think you either you rush that fight mm-hmm. and we're, maybe we're not ready there yet for it just yet. But we're close because I would just do that for the season finale and then tease, like, Vader in the post credit scene ready to fight Obi-Wan and, like, leave it for that. Mm-hmm. And then come back and do like another episode like a couple months later, just let the fans just yeah. sit and wait on it. But either way, though, I thought they really did a nice job with this. I, I love when they try doing like Ocean's Eleven type stuff. Oh, yeah. These big heists or big, you know, sneaking in and, and trying to escape uh, with, you know, either somebody who's held captive, an artifact or well, something. Well, I mean, you, you think about it, the little Star Wars connection. Episode four of the movie, they break into the Death Star to rescue Princess Leia. Episode four of Obi-Wan Kenobi. They break into the fortress to rescue who? Princess Leia. I'm today days old. <laughs> I did not put that together. That's a fantastic. I just, I just happened to look at on the Wikipedia page we're looking at. Uh, it said part four, and I just put two and two together. That's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. There is so much about parallels. I'm telling you, parallels. Anyway, final thoughts on this, Pat, before we wrap it up? Fantastic episode. Cannot wait to see where they go from here. And give me more Easter eggs, please. I love them. Yes. The Easter eggs did the thing. The imagery set the tone. We're going into some big action moments coming down for parts four and parts five and six. But part four did its thing. It definitely set up everything in the right tone. There is a little bit of drama about are they going to figure out that they have a tracker on that chip or not? Is Reva going to be the next big battle for episode five? Or are we going to try rushing Vader in that slot and then try setting up for Obi-Wan versus Reva for episode six. There's a lot to discuss, ODPH Society, so hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Spoiler-free until Friday. But let's talk some Obi-Wan episode four. Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? Let's discuss, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. So 2021 is upon us, and instead of flying cars and monkey robot butlers, we have a pandemic. We have media and making every little annoying twit of a child think they're going to be the next famous celebrity because they did some stupid trend they've seen somebody else doing nine million times we have people that are self-entitled and stupid and given a voice through social media constantly whining about how everybody else is the problem and how everyone else needs fixings we have celebrities lecturing us about how we have to give more so we can elevate everyone 
to a better life from the security of their seven-bedroom, multi-million-dollar estates. Have politicians lying to us that they're going to fix the situations we're in that they created in the first place. And then we've got me, having the conversations that a lot of us are thinking but nobody's talking about. Because these things have to be said. I had to say at the podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast fix or at www.ihadtosayapodcast.com. Why don't you come listen to what I've got to say. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And finally, uh-huh. finally, Pad, we can talk about Miss Marvel on Disney+. Somebody cue the weekend. Yes, indeed. Uh, we were very fortunate by the folks over at Disney and Marvel to get early screener access. Mm-hmm. So we have been waiting to talk about this We've show. We've been patiently waiting, one could say. Yes, indeed. Because obviously this show has a lot of hype behind it. Miss Marvel is one of the most popular characters of all of Marvel Comics right now. Kamala Khan is Definitely one to watch as she's going to grow in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And when the show was announced, we were all very, very excited to see, like, wh- how is this going to all play out on screen? Iman Vellani is playing the title role, and we finally get that debut episode. Yeah. So let us go into that spoiler-free statement before we talk spoilers about episode one, Pat. Yeah, so uh, love the episode overall. It's a good introduction to the character because, admittedly, the only stuff I know about the character is from the video game, the the Avengers that came out within the last two years, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not that well versed. I'm not that familiar. I'm excited to learn, but overall, in terms of like an origin story, this is a good episode. Fantastic debut. This show, right from the the premiere, and that's and we really just got to focus on this here. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah, it's energetic. It's lighthearted, lighthearted. This is perfect for the MCU at this phase. Absolutely couldn't time it any better. And Volani absolutely crushes it in the role of Kamala Khan. Mm-hmm. Can't stress this enough. Perfect casting by the folks over at Marvel Studios. I really am excited about what we're going to see with the show moving forward. Me too. But strong debut episode. If you haven't seen it, make sure you do. And if you have seen it, well, it's spoiler talk time. So let's get into it in three, two, one. Pad, talk to me. This episode was really awesome. Like I said, everything before, don't know much about the character. Excited to learn. But then everything you said, it's a fun episode. It's lighthearted. You know, it's it's a good introduction to the character and doesn't really throw too much at you. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of introduces you to who she is, what she's about, kind of her life and where she's at. Before kind of just like kind of wetting your appetite for where things are going to go. It doesn't go full tilt. Just kind of wet your appetite for where things are. This show, like I say, really hit the theme of Kamala Khan right on the head. Because mm-hmm. obviously she is a very big fan of Carol Danvers. She is just a, you know, a super fan of superheroes, if you will. Yeah. And obviously they did differ from the comics a little bit with her powers. And I understand why, because if you know the comics, uh, she is an Inhuman. Mm-hmm. And after they did uh, the uh, Inhumanity storyline, yep, uh, that's when she gets her powers and she can do uh, like different uh, stretching abilities and such. Mm-hmm. But she's a fantastic character and one that is really grown in the fan base of Marvel Comics fans. Yeah, and rightfully so, because she is just really connecting with that audience 
And to see her like get a big high-profile debut in the Avengers video game, mm-hmm. that was a huge step. And obviously when we heard about this show, this is where we all were like, okay, let's see how this all gets presented. And it was done perfectly. Like, oh, absolutely. I, I, I can't stress enough. Like Just from the opening intro where you see that uh, Kamala is a vlogger slash podcaster mm-hmm. who is basically telling her vision of the MCU yeah. to the masses. Well, for, for the last you know couple movies. Yes. And obviously, it's, it's very cool to see because her production company is what? Sloth Baby? Something like that, yeah. Sloth Baby Productions. Yes, yeah. which yeah. I, I started just cracking up just because it's such a teenage name for, oh, yeah. for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And just to see how she was you know, depicting the events of Endgame and, and, yeah. and the, the attack on New York. Which it, it's surprising. She wasn't far off. No, and she wasn't. She was very spot on. So it was cool to see that how she was ex- really getting about that. And then you see her just going through the basic life of a teenager set in New Jersey. Yep. And you see her that she fails uh, her driver's license test. In spectacular fashion. You talk to me. So she goes to take her driver's test. She's in her father's car, That, uh, as her mother says. Her father worked very hard and put a lot of his hard-earned money into. Uh, and she goes to take the driver's test. And if you've ever taken a driver's test here in the States, I'm sure it's kind of a similar type of deal overseas. You know that fear. You know that nervousness. And, ah, shit, I hope I do everything right and I pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I only lost five points off of my driver's <laughs> test, but that's because the test taker didn't see me look, check my shoulder when I know I did. Mm-hmm. But I digress. Uh, but she goes, she, she adjusts the mirror. She looks at her side mirrors. She puts her shades down, starts the car. Music is on, turns off, because as we all know, if you've passed your driver's test, uh, and if you're not, you haven't taken your driver's test, hot tip, Turning your radio on will automatically fail you. Mm-hmm. That is a fact. Uh, she turns the radio off. She gets ready to go. And she he goes, all right, put it in drive and you can go whenever you want. She puts it in reverse, backs into the car behind her. And she goes, oops, I hope nobody notices that. And he just goes, that was my car. Yeah. And obviously, she has to go explain that to her parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moonbi and Yusef yep. Khan, who are yep. played by Zenobi Shirov mm-hmm. and Mohan Kapoor. And... They are absolutely great in the in this show too. I got, She's I perfect. She does no wrong. This isn't her fault. Clearly, it's your fault. Yeah, like is is just such a, a family friendly show with this, uh-huh. and you just see like a so so much of just that normal vibe to this show. And I and I think at some point in our lives, we've all met somebody like this. Yes, where like the kid or like it's either a friend of yours or somebody you know from school. They've done something like that, not necessarily to this degree, but they've done something wrong, and the parent just doesn't buy. It. Like, no, not my little Timmy. My yeah. little Timmy's an angel. Yes. So as you see that this is a setback for her because she was <laughs> relying on getting her driver's test to yeah. go to a convention that I, I I'm hearing some small rumblings. Yeah, well, small rumblings from a big mouth. Yes. That this might actually happen? Yeah, so she she the whole crux of this was a co- key cog in the wheel, I guess you could say, for her and her friend to go to AvengerCon. Yes. Which, you know, is the big, obviously, as it's titled, is a big convention all about the Avengers. Mm-hmm. But there are now rumblings, and this is obviously coming on the heels of the Star Wars Celebration Convention, which is about all things Star Wars. Right. That when I say there are small rumblings, but it's coming from a big mouth... And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Just this man's mouth has a lot of weight and carries a lot of stuff. Facts. With it. 
So when I say big mouth, I mean, hey, it's an important mouth. It's an important mouth. Uh, that mouth being the one, the only Kevin Feige is not ruling out having an actual Avenger con, which wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. And I hope they just call it Avenger con, but do the whole MCU. Oh, obviously. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, because you know what? That would be utterly insane. Oh, it would be. You think, like, we've been to New York, and New York is probably crazy enough, but you just make it Marvel-related? Holy shit. And I'm just going to put this out there. I mean, the Avengers are based in New York. Uh-huh. And if they do it at the New York, I mean, I know yeah. a podcast that talks all about the Avengers here each and every week. Yeah, the new show yeah, comes out, yeah, putting that karma yeah. out in the universe for press passes. <clears throat> we're going we're gonna to come back strong next year, baby. Coming back. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah, AvengerCon just really caught my eye when he's when, oh, they, yeah. when they mentioned that's a possibility. Oh, yeah. But that's what she wants to go to as a fan. And obviously, seeing Kamala Khan being the fan. Yeah. And Frey, from the beginning, too, you're seeing a lot of very cool visuals. Mm-hmm. It is like teenage art when you're doodling in school. It's the imagination, yeah. Love seeing that. I do, too. And you see this throughout this episode as well. That there's different moments when she's talking to her best friend Bruno, who's played yep. by Matt Lintz. Yep. And her basic Ocean's Eleven esque heist. No, this might be a theme this episode. Could be a Disney thing. Yeah. That she's breaking down about how she's still going to go to AvengerCon. Yep. And obviously, Kamala's parents do not want her to go. Nope. You know, they have. Because they have, there are going to be boys there, and you don't know what they've been doing or what they've been drinking or what they're up to. Yes, they're very overly concerned parents. Yeah. And, the, you know, and this is something that you, you see a lot of times with any teenager. I mean, if you've been, if you've ever grown, you know, and you're in that age group, we all have gone through this at some point. Oh, yeah. But just to oh, what yeah. certain different uh, levels of. You got, uh, you got a friend who's having a party, and I'm not even talking like an adult, you know, alcohol party. Like, no, they're having a get together. You're going to watch mm-hmm. movies and play. You know, the Smash Brothers. You're yeah. Like, oh, just hang on. Oh, hey, can I go, can I go to Jesse's house? You know, Jesse's having a get together, and we're gonna play some Star Fox and you know on the N64 and Goldeneye on the N64. No, go do your homework. Yeah. So you do see that she has this big scheme going on because she wants to cosplay as Carol Danvers, mm-hmm. and just how this all comes about is very very hysterical. Oh yeah. Like I admit, I started chuckling out loud. She's a, little a bit, bit of a perfectionist. Yes, because how she does the escape from the window, and we have to jump on the bus, and we can get there, and we can come back, and uh, but she's got it timed down to the minute. Yeah, like I love this. At, like, f- at five thirty, and and I love just like the thought she put into it, and then the planning, and just kind of like. Just how ridiculous and how overthought it is because she she doesn't start out the whole plan like, oh, yeah, my family will be having dinner and then I'll excuse myself. No, it's my family will be all having dinner praising how amazing I am and giving me compliments. Yeah. Like, it was just fantastic just to see how everybody was acting up because you did see her brother Amir was at the table as well, too. He's yep. by Cigar Sakith. I, I hope I pronounced that wrong. Apologies if I did not. Um, and you do see just... That interaction, and she's fully convinced that she's going to be able to pull this off. Mm-hmm. But while she's with her mother, though, she does come across some old artifacts, Fa- family if you will, heirlooms, I guess. Family heirlooms from the house, and she comes across a bracelet mm-hmm. that was her grandmother's. Yeah. So she winds up taking this with her. Yep. And she, because she thinks it could be part of her costume uh, as Captain Marvel. Because she's been looking for this, you know, the costume's almost complete. It just needs that one bit of final flair. She can't figure out what it is. And she goes, ah, maybe this is it. Yes, because during this episode, too, she's had uh, Bruno, who's a technological genius. Apparently. My God, man, that kid was making more stuff than I think I've seen Tony Stark do. Uh, yeah. 
Just putting that out there, like it was ridiculous because he had like electronic gloves for her to, oh, yeah. To, yeah. to illustrate that. But she does go with her scheme, mm-hmm. even though she is infuriated her parents because they were trying to go as well. Well, yeah, she compromised with them because they she wanted to go. She tried selling it as like this historical event that we're going to learn. Yeah. We're, it's, it's educational. We're going to learn about history and this and that. And they're like, oh, well, what's it for? It's, it's for the Avengers. And, and what are you going to and she's like, oh, yeah, there's a costume contest, and I, I really, I've been working on a costume, and I really want to win the costume contest. Oh, well, who are you going to dress as? Captain Marvel, you know. And they, they initially say no, but then after she throws her, she ropes her brother into it, going, oh, yeah, well, because my brother, if it was my brother asking, you'd be falling all over yourselves to let him go and do this and do that. But me, God forbid, I get to do anything or have a normal teenage life, and the parents feel guilty. And the parents are like, all right, fine, we'll let you go. But your father has to go along with you. And, oh, by the way, I made you a costume. Mm-hmm. And it was a very Pakistani-inspired uh, Hulk costume. Yes. And she's like, well, but I want to. And the father comes in dressed like a, a Pakistani version of the Hulk. Mm-hmm. And he's, ah, ah, And she's like, no, that's that's not what I wanted. And they're like, all right, fine, you can't go. You're fine, you can't go. So she still goes on her elaborate scheme after she was having a text message with Bruno, too. Which, once again... The visuals on this show, and just some of the subtle imagery, mm-hmm. was brilliant because like it was well done. She was she was in her room, and you kind of saw like the nightlight and the stars going on, and yeah, she's t- and you could see the text message go across her. Like I thought that was very brilliant of how they did that. I thought that's just something that gives this show its own identity. It's just a different visual that we've seen, and they really made a point to say about how much it was like a teenage dream, so to speak, for this. Mm-hmm. But with all that being said. They still try making their escape to AvengerCon. And it does not go anywhere near according to plan. No, she had it planned down to the minute. She leaves uh, the, the dinner table 10 minutes late uh, to go into the uh, her bedroom to get changed. She then leaves that. You know, she, she's supposed to have left at 530. It's 540. She finally leaves the house at like 549, 555, which, side note, I know when you and I were watching the screener of this, we kind of had to call that into question. What fucking convention is starting at 6 o'clock at night? Yeah. That was weird. The only thing I could compare it to is NYCC Wednesday night if there was yeah. a different event. Because, I mean, the one year that we went down, oh yeah, uh, Titans was debuting right. over the Hammer that was off, That was off-site. Yeah, but that was off-site. So that was, like, that was the only curveball. But, hey. What do we chalk it up to, Pad? Reasons. So they do make their escape, though, to AvengerCon, and it's everything and everything that they expect it to be. She, um, and along the way, she loses her bike because the bus driver is not in a good mood. Yes. And she goes, no, no, hey, open the door. That's my bike. That's my bike. And she goes, well, she looks at her friend and goes, what are the odds that that bike will be back here, back when I will be there when we get back? And her friend just looks at her and goes, in Jersey City? Point zero 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 one percent Yes, because as... He is dressed up as Tony Stark mm-hmm. and just a completely business casual Tony Stark, oh, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. They're just now going and just trying to live up the moment as they're in. And she, Kamala is now ready to take the Captain Marvel cosplay competition, who was emceed by the one only Agent M yeah. from Marvel, Ryan yeah. Pentagos. So uh, that was a very cool cameo to see him in there. And as you see that Kamala is trying to get ready for the big day, she does wind up losing her gloves that were made by Bruno. And she goes on stage with the bracelet. Mm-hmm. And as she's up there posing, it's one thing when you go to conventions, too, if you've oh, never yeah. been to them. If you cosplay 
a lot of people like taking pictures. Yeah, they do. But let alone when you're in a competition, mm-hmm. it can be very overwhelming. Right. And we have to stress that. Yeah. Because I know I was talking with a couple of people before we recorded, and they're just like, they didn't really get that scene. I'm like, well, unless you've gone to a convention, yeah, you don't understand how nerve-wracking that is. Oh, yeah. Because you have all these phones out, pictures, you know, cameras going mm-hmm. off. And it's it can be very overwhelming, especially if you're a very shy individual. Mm-hmm. And and, and, and the, as the show, she was. I mean, except when she was doing her blogging. I say I got to experience something like that when I was you know a, a kid, maybe like eight or nine years old. Not at a convention, but when I was about eight or nine years old, I wrote an essay in school, and, mm-hmm. and the teacher ended up submitting all of our classes' essays to some competition. It was like some country competition or state competition or something. That like only a few in the area got selected or whatever the hell. I don't even to this day know the specifics of it. I just know that my, my essay got chosen and I ended up winning like a $100 savings bond or something like that. And if you're not familiar with that, it's basically this sheet of paper. They're like, it's worth $100, but you put it in a bank and over time it accrues interest and it grows in value over time. Mm. So I went to this presentation locally to like, you know, hey, here's here's your essay, blah, blah, blah. And I and myself and the other winners stood on stage in a room full of people with like friends and family all there. And there was probably about 100 cameras going off. I understood what it was like to be one of those actors or actresses on the red carpet, having all those photos taken. I couldn't see shit after that, after I got off that stage. I yeah. was, I was like, we went, cause that was at the end of the night we had to leave. And I was like, somebody needs to hold my hand coming out of here because I can't see anything. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's, it's very overwhelming. And especially she's also feeling the pressure too, that the most popular girl in school that she's not exactly best friends with. Got some mean girls vibes. Yeah, definitely. Not going to lie. Definitely had that. Uh, Zoe, who is played by Lauren Martin, mm-hmm. uh, also dressed up as Captain Marvel. So she's oh, yeah. feeling a little extra pressure. Yeah, oh, yeah. But while she's on stage, she does, you know, muster up some courage to make a quick pose. Oh, yeah. And when she does, you see, like, the energy beam come out. Mm-hmm. And this does imitate her powers to a degree from what we know in the comics. Well, and rewatching the episode this morning, I did pick up when she puts on the the, the wrist pieces mm-hmm. and they and they go from those short little things to expanding. You do qu- briefly see a glimpse of those powers over her arms. Mm. It's not fully fledged and you can't fully see it, but like if you really if you pay attention, it's there and then she also has the moment where she falls over onto the ground. But then her like subconscious self or whatever goes into like this other plane, and there and it's like this black and blue, purple and blue looking thing, and people are there. And then she comes back out of it. Yeah. So clearly something's going on. It definitely is. But you do see this big moment where it does go off there. It wins the crowd, but however the powers go a little out of control, and she winds up more or less trashing. She decapitates Ant Man. Yeah. Well, a statue anyway. Some of the uh, displays at AvengerCon. Thor's hammer ends up hitting a girl. Yep. Yeah. It's so she now has to escape very very quickly. She's getting offers to do parties. Yeah, it, it turns into this wild. Do you fiasco. have social media? I follow back. I promise. Yeah, I love that line. I love that. But Bruno does get her home in time. But however, Kamala's mom is waiting for. Her. Well, yeah, because weren't they planning to be back by like eight or nine o'clock? Oh yeah, it turns out like eleven thirty. It's like eleven thirty, and the mom and she she gets back in into the house with some assistance because when she first went to leave the house. The tree branch broke, and she goes, oh, that was my way back into the house. 
you know, so she gets back into the house, you know, with her powers activating out of her foot. Yeah. And they go, was that out of your foot? I don't know. So she scrambles back in and goes, ha, ah, made it back in safe and sound. And it's almost like you see in the movies. The light clicks on. Do you understand how late it is? Yeah. Kamala's mom does give her the stern motherly talk. Oh, God. Even, and, I, even I felt guilty. Yeah. And winds up grounding her. And that's how the, the episode ends. However, though, mm-hmm. we do get in typical Marvel fashion uh-huh. a mid credit scene. Yeah. And Pad... The uh, the name of this group mm-hmm. definitely sounded familiar. Yeah, so if you've seen Spider Man uh, No Way Home, you know who this is. Yeah, it is the one, the only Department of Damage Control, and it's agents P. Clearly and uh, Sadie D- uh, Dever. Dever. Yep. Uh, who are in, in the office doing what they do, controlling damage, and they see a video of what happened at the AvengerCon, and and the one officer goes brush out. Oh, hey, it's kid stuff, and whatever. Seen it a million times, and the other officer goes, no, I don't think you've seen this. Shows the footage and goes, no, yeah, we need to bring her in and talk to her. No, this was a perfect Easter egg because damage control was long rumored to be in development for TV. Right, I be- remember. Because they're the organization that cleans up every superhero mess after a fight. Yeah. So, thus, they're damage control. It's a thankless job. Yeah. But a perfect way to end this debut episode. There is so much to win about this, too. And, like, I can't stress this enough. If you haven't seen the episode yet, it's done absolutely perfect. It definitely ties into the what you love about the character. And, I mean, how Kamala Khan definitely is one to watch. That she's just so much of a fun, energetic character. And, obviously, they did uh, pay a lot of respect to her being the first Muslim character yeah. to headline her own comic. Yeah. So... This is something to really get behind and watch. And like I said, the entire show is just amazing. And just seeing this unique vision of a teenage life in the MCU. Because with the imagery they had of just the doodles and then the light uh, texting and then just like all this little stuff that we haven't really seen in this kind of aspect before. Mm -hmm. I thought just played such a great role in this. Final thoughts on this episode, Pad? Great episode. Like I said, it's a great introduction to the character and one you can easily jump into not knowing the character at all. Uh, And I'm excited to see where they go with it because it it was enough to kind of whet my appetite, but I want to see more. Absolutely. I definitely want to see more of this. I think this show is going to be a monster hit. I I can't see how they could stutter step with this at all. This is perfect casting, definitely showing you the hero that has won over fans in the MCU for many, many years now. And like I say, if you're not a fan of Kamala Khan, you will be by the end of the series. I guarantee you. And like I say, cannot stress this enough. Make sure you watch this episode and definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Did you love it? Did you hate it or why? Like I say, it's fun. It's It, it felt just a very family-friendly show. It didn't feel anything over the top like what we've seen with Moon Knight and Doctor Strange. This is something you can definitely watch with all, with your families. And definitely really enjoy because it captures the essence of the comic and it definitely has that fun, feel-good vibe to this show. So watch it. Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do not adjust your dial or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. And I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming, especially after 30. 
Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating, enlightening, and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod. Check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And man, oh man, oh man, we got to talk some Superman and Lois. Uh huh. The CW's best show continues on with only three episodes left before the season finale. Yeah. Hard to believe because obviously they do take some breaks on the CW network. But when we get the ball rolling, it's very, very good. However, they're going to be taking a break uh, for two weeks and then come back for the last two episodes. Yep. But this one, though, Tyler Hoechlin obviously has got his hands full, being the Man of Steel, a.k.a. Clark Kent, with Elizabeth Tolick as Lois Lane, having to face a very, very daunting task of taking down Allie, mm-hmm. who is the cult leader and obviously overpowering everybody, whether it's Smallville, whether it's Metropolis, whether it's the Bizarro World. Yeah. I mean, it's just something that she is doing with Raya Kalstead. Uh, playing that title character. So now we jump in to the fallout from last week's episode. Mm-hmm. And let's go spoiler-free statement on this week's episode, Pat. Uh, I thought it was a really good episode. You know, kind of built the tension a little bit, set some things up very interestingly for where we're going to go with the last couple episodes. But overall, I dug the episode. They definitely were jumping around a little bit with flashbacks, and that's okay because there's a lot of story to digest if you haven't been jumping aboard. Because the one aspect of this show that I think has been more of a miss than hit mm-hmm. is then when they go between Bizarro World and Our World. And there's not a real big clarification. As we do the deep dive, we'll kind of dig into it a little bit more. But what I thought is they have really set up an interesting dynamic for the supporting cast. Yeah. And a new stat quo for our title characters. So this is going to be something very exciting to watch, and I thought they delivered it very well. And I got a lot of questions to talk about, so that makes for a very, very good episode. Yeah. That being said, Pad, in three, two, one, talk to me. thought it was a really good episode, you know, all things considered. Uh, Clark Kent is the worst parent in all of television history. Oh, my God, yeah. So I'll just say that now. Uh, but, uh, no, I'm excited to see where they go, and boy, oh, boy, are they taking it in some very interesting places. I'm going to say a controversial statement to a degree. Okay. I think they're setting up for Teen Titans on here. Maybe. I really do because now the children of the superheroes of this universe are now beginning to form their own team. I am 100% here for it, and like it's not very controversial. I think they have got some very good young actors on this show that if they want to spin out into their own thing, by all means, go ahead and do it. Because mm-hmm. I think there's some. We finally get some very well done screen time for one of the characters that I think has got so much potential. And I love the fact that they gave her time, especially being a superhero this episode. And that is Natalie Irons, who was played by the one and only Taylor Buck. Absolutely crushed it this week. 
because there was a lot going on, but it really picked up near the end of the episode. And where they're going with this, I really thought was interesting because last week's episode, they did do a little jumping back and forth between Bizarro World too much for me. Yeah. Wasn't super in love with it, but I get it. But it really overall was to set up that Allie is now this version of Parasite. Yeah. Sucking the life out of everybody to sustain being quote unquote whole because she is technically now merged with herself and her bizarro version. Reasons, folks. Mm -hmm. Just roll with it. So last week they killed Bizarro Tal Ro, aka Superman's uh stepbrother. Uh-huh. And now we jump into a very odd place to put a flashback, I would say. Because they have brought back Lucy Lane, who's played by Jenna Dewan. Uh-huh. Who she's great on this role and obviously has a connection with Allie, who is showing their first interaction um, years ago mm-hmm. at a book signing. And this is where Allie starts to slowly convert her to her crazed, her crazed mission and everything she's trying to do. Yeah. But during this point, they start there. You get that little introduction. Then they jump to John Henry Irons, who is played by the Willie Woolley Parks, and Natalie. And they're basically talking about the suits. And obviously being a concerned parent, especially from – where they lived on the Injustice universe, John Henry Irons is not exactly happy about his daughter picking up the superhero ways. However, though, Natalie has proven to be a genius making her own suit, let alone making one that, dare I say, is stronger than his? Mm, Maybe. I mean, that's the... I mean, the fact that he later in the episode tries to destroy it and he can't kind of wants credence to that statement. Yeah, like she has really made this suit into something special. Yeah. And originally it was supposed to be going to Jonathan. Yeah. But it doesn't exactly happen that way. So they do have that storyline going on, which I really like because I, I think that Natalie is, is a great character. And I think that now that she's getting some screen time, I will take this. I will in fact take this any day and every day over the love story of Jordan and Sarah. And it's nothing against the actors playing it. I just feel that sometimes the show leans on it too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that a fair statement? Yeah, not a little bit. I mean, they just, sometimes they go heavy with it, and especially here too, because the whole thing is they're the star-crossed lovers of this show. It's this version of Lana and Clark. Yeah, and the situation is Sarah has broken up with Jordan because Jordan was out doing superhero things, but he can't reveal a secret. Yeah. Well, now Lana knows that Clark is Superman. And that uh, Jordan is also superpowered. Yeah, so we'll just call Jordan Superboy just for this uh, explanation. And now Jordan is so desperate to win his girlfriend back. Mm-hmm. That oh, he, she, fi- she can finally know the truth and I can stop lying to her and she'll want me back. Yeah, and Lana is basically saying, no, I've got enough to process now that Clark is Superman. Which I almost want to go, have you never seen him without his glasses on? Yeah, really. You grew up with him. I'm just going to put this out there. Um, so she's like, no, because I got to deal with that. I also got to deal with my estranged husband and my uh, American Idol-esque daughter playing in bars, uh, mm-hmm. trying to grow a singing career. Yeah. I don't think it would be smart for you to come crashing into our world with your superhero powers because, well, let's face it, the last couple times you did... You nearly got my family killed. Yeah. And she's got enough family drama going on. Yeah. Emmanuel Kirky has played as another great part in this episode as well. And she is just being the 
reasonable character and is like, no, keep that stuff to yourself. Mm-hmm. And Jordan, obviously being heartbroken, you know, goes away and has to have a fatherly bonding session near the Fortress of Solitude with, mm-hmm. with Clark. Because Clark is like, hey, you know, your heart's broke? Well, I'll teach you how to use your powers. Yeah. So let's go. Yeah. Finally, and, we're giving you some training. Yeah, so he's finally getting some real training from Clark, even though he was getting from his grandfather, which, listen, is still very good training, but there's one and only Krypton, Kryptonian on this show thus far that can train yeah. Jordan the right way. And they do have a, an interesting sequence about flying, where I honestly thought they were going to go New Warriors-esque, where Night Thrasher throws Nova off the roof to test it. <laughs> thought the same thing. I was sitting there, and yeah, Pat was watching with me, and I'm going, they're going to chuck him off the roof. And his powers aren't going to hit. He just hears this big smack like it was a Wiley Coyote. <laughs> but sure enough, Jordan jumps off this huge mountain cliff and he's doing the free fall and then his powers kick in. So he's flying and then Clark has to go fly and save him because he can't control him. And then a line is said that Pad was so fired up about. I'm going to let him talk. The views and opinions of that Padawan J do not represent the ODPH. Listener discretion is advised. I'm not even going to get that mad about it. Just Clark Kent, you have failed as a father because Clark's all excited. Jordan can't stop himself. He catches him. You know, and hey, we're going to up the ante a little bit. We're going to run one of my favorite canyons, you know, and I used to call it the Kessel Run. Mm -hmm. Of course, referring to Star Wars and Han Solo and the Kessel Run. And Jordan just looks at him and goes, the what? Yep. Clark Kent, you have failed as a father. Yeah, Pat, worst father ever. Yeah, Pat. Pat is not siding with you. He says Dark Side's a better father. <laughs> Putting that out there. So then we go back to like another side story they have going on here because you do see that Lois has now gotten with her father and her reporting sidekick Chrissy, who finally got some real screen time. Like we haven't seen her on the show as much lately. No. At least it feels that way because all the time jumping they've done. So we got we have to keep that in mind as well. And obviously, Sophia Hamzik plays Chrissy, who is the reporter for the uh, Smallville Gazette. And this situation is they're now investigating a possible lead on where uh, Lucy is. And you start getting uh, more information about the bizarro society or uh, inverse society i think is the technical term for them Mm -hmm. and this is a situation where lois barges in there they do have a confrontation with lucy they clearly thought this out yeah because you know this is just one of the most well-laid plans happening here yeah and they're basically trying to talk sense into him and like do you not realize that Allie is now fucking nuts is out of her mind she's batshit crazy she's she's been made whole though no she really hasn't yeah and she is just basically killing everybody around her to sustain the energy because now she needs it to stay whole and lucy is like no no that would never happen that would never go down like what are you even talking about and then you start seeing Allie arrive out of the sky much in a very weird way Mm mm-hmm like Superman did in uh, Batman versus Superman. I, I definitely got that vibe, yeah. yeah they, they definitely did a small homage to it. At least nobody yelled Martha, which was good. Yeah. But, yeah, 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 I, I fear that's coming, just for reasons. And you do see that Allie comes down there, sees what's going on, and immediately goes and attacks Sam and tries draining his energy. So Lois's father is now getting killed. Lucy 
realizes what's going on mm-hmm. and now has that like big sudden dose of reality that oh shit i've been fucking up the entire time yeah like i screwed up like oh my god like this is real like what they were trying to warn me about is real they haven't been lying the entire time right so superman comes in makes the big save so to speak but ally basically was using sam to get superman to come out hook line and sinker yep which he does and winds up getting drained himself. Mm-hmm. And during this point, we said Chrissy was following them as well. Yep. She gets a, finds a way to get a hold of John, mm-hmm. Henry Irons. So yeah. you see him and Natalie both suit up, which was an awesome moment yeah. I was marking out for. And they come flying in trying to make the save. Yeah, say John throws his hammer. Allie goes, LOL, please. Yes. And winds up disposing of him very easily. And then she does take off. But they also have to pull off a very scary moment because Superman looks drained, much like how Bizarro looked at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. Which is a cool twist because we never really understood why Bizarro kind of had that pale, dead skin look to him. Well, we never saw it, but how it got to that point, but yeah. Right, so they kind of really throw it back there, which I thought was a very cool Easter egg. And we do see that Superman is is unconscious, and they have to basically hit him with a defibrillator, superhero yeah. style. Yeah. Where Natalie is sitting there trying to do it, and if you know the backstory with her, on her Earth, Superman killed her parents, yep. or killed her mom rather. Yep. So this is a very weird moment, but she understands what's going on here, and she literally has to it saves him because she gets told by John go full power on it, and literally shocks him back. But they're like, we gotta go back to the DOT, DOD. Because this is a bad situation. So they take Sam. They take Superman. Lucy has now come around to the power of the, the good side, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But, however, we are left with a very, very scary predicament. Uh, prognosis, yeah. Break it down for us. Oh, so uh, John and uh, his daughter take off to the DOD uh, with... Uh, Lois's father and Clark, Superman, so, and, and John tells Lois, hey, meet us at the DOD. So we flash forward to the DOD. She's talking. Uh, we have the moment with the sister and the father, the heart-to-heart, like, I'm sorry, I fucked up. And the nice father-daughter moment. And then you cut to Lois, who's out in the hallway, waiting for uh, Clark to come out. All the Meanwhile, we see a quick shot of Clark on the operation table. He's got, hey, AEW, he's got the uh, breath mask on his uh, head like it should be. Yeah, I know. That's the first thing I thought, too. Not over his eyes. You know, and, and they're trying to work on him. You got the heart monitor going. John comes out, and Lois goes, hey, what's the latest? And then he goes, well, you know, he's he's getting better, but he's not quite there. They're running some tests on him. And Lois says, what kind of tests? You know, and he's like, well, they they she's like they can't do blood tests his, his skin's impenetrable and he goes not right now so they drew some blood and hopefully we can get it figured out and what's uh, what's wrong with him and we really help him flashes to a scene with the cushing family and they're talking about the the whole storyline with them not important to the story uh and then it cuts back to the kent farm because it's the it's the kids plus john and lois and lois is obviously very heartbroken and very distressed Saying, "Hey, your father's getting better, and he's getting, you know, and he's, he's not getting better." He, or no, he, he, they said, you know, he, he's starting to improve a little bit. Well, isn't, and jo- Jonathan goes, "Well, isn't that a good thing?" And he goes, and she, Lois goes, "Well, it would be if he was normal." And and basically, they tell the kids that right now Clark's hu- cells are human. 
that they're that they're normal. They're not Kryptonian. And there's no telling if he'll ever be the same again. Yeah. It's an interesting way to end it. And obviously the stakes are very high. Because I thought they were gonna go death of Superman with it. With like draining the powers and then like the heart stops. Oh no, Superman's dead. I thought they were gonna go like a little not not full death of the Superman, but I thought they were gonna go a little bit there. I thought and I, I know I'm going to date myself here. There was an old school superpowers co- or cartoon. And I want to say it was the Galactic Guardian series. Mm-hmm. And this is when they introduced Firestorm. And Firestorm like accidentally killed Superman. They had to shoot him into the sun to revive him. Mm. I thought they were going to try doing something like that. And it was a weird thing to see. But with Superman being human... The show now resides on the kids being the only line of defense. Well, the kids against plus John. Well, like I say, so John. So that's why I said it, you might. Some people might say it's a, a controversial take because you know we have Titans. Yeah. And it's yeah. not like the old school Titans, you know, that we're so used to. And I know how comic fans yeah. get so mad if it doesn't follow the comics. But in this universe, give it to me. If you got Natalie with powers or a suit. You got Jordan being Jordan. Who knows if Jonathan is going to get some powers mm-hmm. or something in that effect. And then if anybody else gets thrown in this mix, but with John Harry Irons leading that team, I think you could do something there. Yeah. Plus, you never know. We're still long overdue for a John Diggle appearance. Uh, this is true. So maybe, just maybe, we'll get a surprise cameo. I don't know anything about that. I'm just fan casting. I'm throwing it out to the universe. Like I said, same thing when we were saying about getting press passes for AvengerCon even though we're coming back next year for press. Oh, yes. Gang, gang. Mark, mark that tape. Mark that tape. But this is a situation that it's a very interesting dynamic going into the last two episodes. Can the kids stop somebody who more or less killed Superman? It's going to be hard to tell. It's going to be really hard to tell. But really enjoyed this episode. Pat, final thoughts on this? Fun episode. Like the stakes that they're raising, and I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm definitely down for it. I thought they definitely had a strong episode to bounce back from last week. Um, just the last time we tried dealing with who's the real Superman and who's the bizarro ones and the supporting cast, it makes for a very cleaner episode in the sense of easier to follow, and they definitely had some great performances. I love seeing Natalie Irons actually suit up and really get some screen time. I thought that that was an excellent uh, addition to the cast here, and I'm excited to see where we go from it. The only downside is we got to wait two weeks now until June 21st. But fear not, ODPH Society. We'll have much to talk about in between then. So hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Let's talk some Superman and Lois, and let us deep dive into it. And the episode entitled All is Lost. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit on social media but until then we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back this is tom from tom joe lou this is matt from sideroom sounds and you're listening to odph podcast wanna go where no one knows my name to the desert the oceans or the plains Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. Obviously, the first of which was a bit of a surprise, bit of a not surprise, because it's been rumored for so long. But director Todd Phillips did take to Instagram to confirm that we are getting a sequel to his Joker film. Uh, uh, 
posting a photo of what looked like to be the cover of a draft of the script uh, titled Joker Foil Adieu, uh, F-O-L-I-E, A with the little uh, mark over the top, and then D-E-U-X. And then it says written by uh, Scott Silver and Todd Phillips. And that's all it really says. You know, it's got a date on there for probably when it was printed, but no caption on the photo, no nothing other than some reactions from some folks commenting on it. Uh, So, hey, uh, Joker 2 is coming for whatever it's worth. Yeah, I got to admit, I'm not excited. Yeah. I I thought the first one, we touched upon that too. Mm -hmm. It's disturbing. Yeah. It, it shows the world through the eyes of a very mentally sick man. I've not watched it since we saw it in theaters. And that's, Same. And that's nothing against the movie. It's just not one of those movies where I'm bored on a Friday night, Saturday night, hanging out with my girlfriend and go, hey, why don't we throw a movie on? Why don't we throw on Joker? Like, no, it's just not one of those movies. Yeah, it, it was kind of, like I said, it, it's it's a very polarizing topic amongst comic fans. Some mm-hmm. I know some people really hate it. And I know some people really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I know it made my girlfriend, with some of the subject matter, it made my girlfriend very uncomfortable. The thing about it is, it's very hard to place where it is in the comics. See, like, for these movies, I look to where it fits in a comic universe. Sure, sure. I don't know where we go here. Like, the thing is, there's some certain there are some stories we could do for, like, a single one-off, but I don't think you can do a shared universe. You can't do Batman. Would you even try? I mean, the, what the killing joke? I mean, yeah, like, I like, don't know. There's, there's only certain stories you can do well and have it based in the universe you created here. But you're, you're obviously not going to have them tied in with the Robert Pattinson. No, I thought if they, they should have done that. I thought it would have been a lot easier to really make something happen there. Yeah. But in this situation, I don't know. Like, I, I gotta hear a little bit more about the script. I mean, you still could. Well, like, but the thing is, you already have key or um, oh no, yeah, that's right, that's right, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, yeah. Key, there's already a, there's already Hulk. yeah, there's already a Joker in, in Pattinson's movies. Yeah, yeah, so, that's right. I forgot so, about that. Unless I mean, obviously, you could retcon and and you could say it's three Jokers and multiverse. You'll, you'll hear me go completely crazy if that happens because I will be extremely pissed off. <laughs> but until then, uh, yeah, I mean, it's coming out, so definitely hit us up and let you let us know what you think of this. I definitely yeah. want to have some conversations about like, are you excited about this or not? Yeah. Uh, we also got a trailer. We got a couple of trailers to talk about. Uh, the first of which was one that I'm very excited for, and that is the upcoming uh, Predator movie, yes. uh, Prey prequel, which is coming out on Hulu uh, on August 5th. Uh, this is from the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane, uh, and this is the origin story of the Predator set like 200 years, 300 years, something. And it's in like kind of like colonial America, so like 1700s, 1800s, uh, set in that time period, and it's featuring a Comanche Indian tribe kind of like trying to live their life on, on the, in America. And then also dealing with the fact that, well, you've got a super advanced alien hunting them down and trying to kill them all for sport. Yeah. So it's a literal David and Goliath because you've got, you know, the, the native Americans, you know, this Comanche tribe with, you know, sticks and spears and boat wooden bows and arrows going up against, you know, this dude with laser sights and missiles, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's kind of a literal, a literal David versus Goliath. Uh, like I said, it drops in August. The awesome thing with this is that while there will, it will be dropping with an English version of the uh, of the audio, there will be a fully dubbed Comanche version of the of the oh, that's very cool. of the film. Yeah, so obviously it will feature you know the Comanche tribe members speaking actual Comanche with English subtitles. So I got to admit, I'm probably going to watch that version first because according to one of the uh, I think I can't remember if it was a writer or the producers, somebody involved with like the back end of things in the movie said that it's the first ever movie fully dubbed in the Comanche language. There's obviously been Navajo. 
uh, dubs of versions. I know Star Wars has, has done it. You know, some of the Disney movies have done it. But this is the first movie from Hollywood that is fully dubbed in the Comanche language. So I got to admit, I'm excited to check out that version of it. I'm very excited to check that out. Super excited to see it. Uh, today, as we record uh, with another trailer, we got our first look at the upcoming film from Rob Zombie, and that's his Monsters movie. Uh, so, yeah, so this is his take on the classic uh, television show, The Monsters. You put out about a 50-second trailer or so. Hmm. Not much to go on. We did get to see the characters that you know and love from The Monsters, and it basically recreated the theme song from the original television show. Right. So if you're familiar with the television show, you know that. And it was a fun nostalgia kick for me. Didn't grow up while The Monsters was airing, obviously, but I do remember watching it when my grandmother would come over to babysit us when mom and dad were out of the house. Yeah, sure. You know, so I, I did grow up watching and loving The Monsters, so I'm excited to see this. I'm very excited for when this comes out. Uh, I believe it's coming out next year. It looks very cool. Like I, like I say, The Monsters are, are classic if you grew up in that TV era. Yeah. I remember watching them, too. You know, like... There's something unique and fun about them. Yeah, so it's something simple. I'm really interested to see what Rob Zombie's going to do with them, to be honest yeah. with you. Uh, and then next up, we got a trailer for, honestly, these these motherfuckers are going to make me buy a Call of Duty game again. Oh, jeez. Well, I have, admittedly, I have not bought a Call of Duty game since Call of Duty Black Ops 2. And that's nothing against a franchise. It's just it had its time and place for me. It was me in college. And then I just kind of fell out of it, you know. But we did get a up, uh, worldwide, worldwide reveal trailer for the upcoming Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 remake, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game is coming out October 28th, and it is uh, scheduled for release on the PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X slash S, Xbox One, PC Battle.net, and PC Steam. Uh, you know, and so I, I got to admit, I love Modern Warfare 2. I didn't play the multiplayer when it was first came out just because I wasn't into Call of Duty yet. I did play the story back when there was the summer that the PlayStation Network was down for like three fucking months and I needed to find single player games. Yeah. Bought Modern Warfare 2 for cheap, played through the story, love the story. Uh, there's a particular mission in that, in that story that I'm interested to see if they put it in this version of the game. If you know, if you know which mission I'm talking about, uh, no Russian. Enough said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but no, I'm super excited for this. And honest to God, I might pick this up. This actually might make me pick up a X or a Call of Duty game uh-huh. and get a new Xbox. Yeah, this really looked good. Yeah, it does. Really look good. Looks awesome. It's got a nostalgia kick. Uh, I'm super excited to see that. Uh, and then lastly, and certainly not leastly, this one dropped out of fucking nowhere uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, we got a teaser trailer for the upcoming Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And when this dropped, I saw a tweet about it. And I was like, wait, really? They haven't even started filming yet. I just know they've done, been doing some casting announcements. Mm. And it's really not so much a teaser trailer like, hey, here's some footage. It's kind of just like, a, hey, we're actually this is actually happening. This isn't just like hearsay and rumors on the Internet. Yeah, it's a, it's an all CGI trailer, you know, where it's kind of like this wooded snowy area. That you have some tree limbs that are frosted over. You've got a, a bird on one branch and then a snake on another branch. And like the snow or ice is kind of melting off and revealing the gold. And then it says, you know, return to the games in, in 2023. Find out who is a songbird and who is a snake. Mm. And then we uh, come to find out that the movie is coming out November 17th of 2023. Uh, and that is The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And I am excited for this movie. I, I like the Hunger Games movies. You know, I, I went to see the first movie with my sister just because I'm like, this seems kind of interesting. You know, it seems something like right up my alley. Yeah. Went, went to see it with her, loved it, then binge read all, uh, what is three books yeah three books you know love the books you know i've, I've listened to them on audiobooks so i'm i'm ex- and, I've, and i'm in the process of reading the prequel uh i'm super excited for this it should be good i'll be honest it's not my cup of java 
I respect the fandom. Sure. Um, I it was something I I just did not get into, but I know a lot of people are excited about it, so yeah. that, that's very cool. Like you know, and I know that you're definitely gonna be talking about first day, so oh, yeah. definitely I want to hear the I'll feedback about this. Yeah, absolutely. So for mine, obviously this week has been a big week. So just to give a little teaser for next week, we're gonna break down the Black Adam trailer with Dwayne the Rock Johnson next week. And also, this week going on is Netflix Geeked Week. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of information going on right now. So the big news that I will tide people over with is we finally got the release date for The Sandman on Netflix. Oh, yeah. The Neil Gaiman epic. And I, and I know we throw the word epic around a lot. You talk to any comic book fan. And Neil Gaiman's The Sandman is one of the most legendary books that has ever hit the medium. I will say that without question. It is something that if you're not familiar with, you're going to be talking about. This Mm. show has got a lot of buzz behind it, and rightfully so. I almost want to say this is like, you know, the the Watchmen of Mature Readers comics, if if I can use that. And I know if you're not familiar... It is going to be the everything we've seen thus far coming out from it, and we did get the finally the release date of August fifth. It's dropping on Netflix. Okay, I'm guaranteeing you this: you're going to have social media be buzzing about this, and this isn't just an oversell. This is an overhype. This is the show is really matching the comics. It looks phenomenal mm-hmm. from all the, the the little footage I've seen. I haven't seen too much, but everything I've seen, I'm going like they really nailed this. And if you're not familiar with the the comics, I'm going to say, I stress, get down to your comic shops, go do what you got to do to get caught up, at least get an understanding of the character. Because when this show drops, it's going to be the monster hit of all monster hits. Like, there's no question in my mind this is going down. That being said, we are talking some comics. Yes. Got a lot of previews this week. Uh, it was a crazy week at the comic shops, too. Got to put this out. But kicking off for Parlay Points, we are talking The Never-Ending Party, number one, mm-hmm. by Rachel Pollack, Joe Corallo, and Eva Cabrera. Mm-hmm. And this one, if you're fans of Doom Patrol, you probably recognize Rachel Pollack's name. Uh, this series is absolutely wild, to put it mildly. Uh, it it ties in a little bit of Greek mythology with a club scene, and it literally is just a very unique vision. So if you're looking for something different at the comic shops via Comixology Originals, and I can't stress enough, like I know people are, are kind of a little up in arms because of changes that happen to the app. Sure. Because I know on Android there's some stipulation with Google Play you can't uh, buy books off the app. You have to do it off desktop right now. Right. And uh, and like trust me, because every time I make a post about Comixology and, and saying like this is why you should sign up for the unlimited deal – I always get tweeted about this. Like, folks, I don't work for Comixology. I'm a fan of Comixology and the originals line. This is going to be something definitely going to be up your alley. Like, I can't stress that enough. It's different. It's a little crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's something to really be excited about. Like, to if you really want to take a dive into something different. Like I say, it's, it's I, like, I hate saying the word weird. Yeah. But it has such a, a unique vibe to it. You definitely want to go check this out if you're looking for something different on the shelves this week. Uh, Also, Comixology Originals line. Red Tag number four. Now, this is a book that if you've been reading the Parlay Points blog, I've been covering. I'm really enjoying it. Rafael Scavone and Roger Cruz have absolutely been crushing it right now. 
This is the penultimate issue, and they are really speeding up the story here. There's a lot of moving going on with this. Can't wait to see the finale come out next month, and they're just absolutely crushing this. Uh, it's a little political intrigue, a little, you know, different vibe to it as well, but it, it is something that I can't stress enough. I've talked to many, many of our comic book uh, podcasting friends. They're all into this as well. Like, we have some very good discussions about it. So if you're looking for something there, definitely go check that out. Over on Valiant Comics, Archer and Armstrong Forever number two. Steve Fox and Mauricio Farito are doing it and doing it oh so well, my friend. They are absolutely painting the dynamic duo of Valiant Comics in such a unique and funny light. It, I can't stress this enough. I literally laugh out loud at this issues when when I've seen it thus far. They've really captured the essence of the team, of the duo. Mm-hmm. And the story that is going on right now is absolutely wild because a little spoiler from last issue, Armstrong the Immortal is now not exactly immortal anymore, and Archer is doing everything in his power to f- figure out what is going on and save his best friend. And does it go right, Pad? Probably not. Absolutely not. But it's a fun read. I can't stress it enough. It's one of the best books out. I absolutely love this book, and I can talk about it all day, every day. Over at Boom Studios, Mighty Morphin number 20. So they're on the charge to 100 in legacy writing or numbering. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of stuff going on with this. Uh, The end of the first arc following the Altarian War is out. Matt Groom is on the uh, writing. Moises Hidalgo is on the art. Definitely a fun wrap-up to the story. Uh, Little Ocean's Eleven vibe going on Mm. here, too. Because, obviously, with what happened in the Altarian War, they have to do something to uh, fix things and get it right. Um, and if you're not reading both books, you might be a little... Well, the ending will hit you very hard. If you read Power Rangers uh, 19, you you will know about the ending and how that's all going to tie together. But it's a great book to go pick up. And, like I say, I have never been a big Power Rangers fan. I'm fully now all on board due to what they're doing in these books. Because they're absolutely crushing between Ryan Parrott and Marco Renna on Power Rangers and Matt Grumman and Moises Hidalgo on this. They're absolutely doing phenomenal work. Can't stress it enough. So if you want to get into Power Rangers, this is the perfect time to do it. I'm telling you right now, they're doing a lot of cool things. Last one on my docket, there is not a Parlay Points blog for it, but I bought the issue. I went, holy shit, and I had to reread it, and I said, holy shit again, Pat. Mm-hmm. Savage Avengers number two. David Papos and Carlos Magna are doing this wild-ass tale. It's nonstop action. The writing's on point. Man, this is one of the best books out on the shelves. No question about it. I preach this because I bought the book, and I will be gladly buying another copy of it because it's that damn good. That's good. So if you are looking for comic recommendations, hit up your favorite independent podcasts. Hit up your local comic shops. Go support them. And if you even want more justification, why don't you go meet an independent podcaster who also does his own comic shop? Because you know who returned to the airwaves this past week, Pad? Brian Wayne. Hell fucking yeah. Our brother from another mother, Brian Wayne and Cheers to Comics, came back with a strong fucking episode. I'm swearing because I'm that excited about it. I know Brian is going to hear this and go, hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Dude, I'm so happy to hear him back behind a microphone. You don't even understand this. That's our guy. He's always welcome to come through. He's ODPH family. So I can't stress enough. If you need comic book recommendations, hit us up. We will point you in the right direction. And definitely make sure to support your LCSs all day, every day. So that being said, Pat, next week is going to be a big week. 
Yes. Fifth, fifth year anniversary of the show. So you'll be seeing a lot of social media posts. If you're a content creating friend of ours and you want to say an audio well wish, send it our way. We will add it to the show. We've already got some great ones in, and we definitely want to add some more. Got told of a few others that are getting sent over the weekend, so I'm excited to hear what everybody's got to say. It's, it's optional, but I'm just touched that people want to even do it because I was hearing like, yo, I'd like to send you a shout-out. I'm like, okay, well, hey, here's how we do this. So you'll be hearing about that all over the weekend. But, if, Pat, if you want to find out everything and anything going on with the ODPH, where do you go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You can go to the music section. You hear everything going on with Shout of the Robots, who will be playing the outro song today. Brian Wolf, Second Suitor, Yard Party, Tom Jolie, Floodlands, all the amazing groups you hear on the ODPH. You can check out Parley Points. I was already talking about some of the blogs. I didn't talk about all the blogs. That's why you go, go to the blog section and go read and get some more content, and we'll talk about that later. You can also go to the Classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 8122 Productions. So if you want to find out everything going on with Three Fat Nerds, Horizon 607, Crazy Curtis Gaming, 607TWS, that's where you go. And you can find out a lot more friends of the show, such as Dragon Master Games. I could read the entire list, but listen, we'll be here all night. But that's why you need to go click and find out for yourself. Also, you can go to the Classifieds, and that's where you already were. So that's why I'm saying you get so hyped up. But Pat, if you go to the directory, how many providers are we on right now? Uh, 68,831. Sounds about right to me. So if you, we are not on your favorite podcast platform yet, let us know which one you listen to, and we'll see about getting on there permanently for you. So you'll be able to hit that follow button right then and there. We make it so easy for you to follow and subscribe, and we appreciate all the downloads and the numbers. They're a lot big. We don't like bragging about numbers. We just have numbers. And trust me, we have got some ones to brag about, too. Like I said, we, we don't like flexing like that. We don't need to. Uh, all of that, the T Public store sale going on this week. No better time to get some ODPH swag. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only Pat one j Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We will see you next time.